Hey guys, you're listening to In Traffic with Neil Rubenstein. I'm Neil Rubenstein, and today I'll be sitting in traffic with Jonah Bayer, who does uh, Going Off Track podcast. He has an article for Vice called Up the Puns. There's a podcast with his sister, Vanessa Bayer, who you know from Saturday Night Live, called Sound Advice. A uh, bunch of other stuff. He writes for AP. I think he writes for Playboy, maybe. Uh, he writes for a lot of stuff. Uh, we'll get to talking. He'll tell you some stuff. All right, Dick. There, there. Good, good job, Dick. Hello. I'm here. Can you hear me? No. Hold on. Are you Can in? Can you hear me now? Ah, I can't hear you now. now? Great. Right. Were you on, like, some sort of speakerphone or cave situation? I tried these headphones because I thought it would sound better, but apparently it doesn't work. So, so I'm just back to the old-fashioned talking into the phone type move. Yeah, yeah, let's go old school. Totally. Yeah. Totally 1970s, this whole thing. Except, except for Bluetooth and my car stereo. Where are you right now? I am uh, pulling off of the block I work on, and I'm going to be uh, heading to the Sunrise Highway, to the Southern State Parkway, uh, to Beth Beach Parkway, to Hempstead Turnpike, to Route 107, to my home. <laughs> wow. How's the, how's the traffic looking today? Uh, it should be okay for like 10 minutes, then like shitty for 20 minutes. And then okay for like twenty minutes. Gotcha. That's usually that's usually the this time of day uh, commute situation. I see. Where, where are you right now? Are you home? I'm at home. Yeah, I've just been home all day. Days where like you can't get technology to work, and you feel like everything that should take five minutes takes like three hours. Uh, yeah. No, I I have those days. Is, is that the day you're having? Yeah, I've been having a very frustrating day where I've spent a lot of time trying to work, but I've accomplished almost nothing. What's your work day like? You're just writing, right? Yeah, it kind of depends. Like, um, most of the time I'm just writing, like, you know, I'm writing for, like, Noisy or Playboy or do a lot of bios for bands. And then usually one or two days a week I go to uh, Rubber Tracks and do the podcast. Um, and then sometimes you end on tour, and then sometimes... I'm shooting a web series with my sister, uh, so it just kind of depends. Kind of depends. So you're when you're touring, uh, you end. You play with anyone else? Uh, not really. Uh, most have only been the tours. I started playing with some guys kind of recently. Um, we haven't like played it. We have like two practices, but yeah, mostly you and. Uh, so when you're on tour, you can still write though. Yeah, it's I kind of like sort of set things up that even when I worked at I left the AP in 2005 and I was in the stand the Love Kill that was an eyeball and uh, yeah I kind of set it up so I could write on the road and then when I left I just kept freelancing so you can it's definitely it's definitely a lot easier now than it was 10 years ago because there's Wi-Fi everywhere but it's also like it kind of sucks like when you're on tour you kind of just want to like hang out you don't want to like be transcribing interviews and that stuff so it's just kind of harder to force yourself to do it i guess do you ever use like any of that software the like transcribing software is that reliable at all or no 
I don't know. I mean, last time I tried it, it really sucked, but that was a long time ago. So I'm sure the technology's better now. So I don't know. There, if I'm like really swamped, there's this website where they'll like transcribe it for a dollar a minute. Um, and it's okay, but usually I just kind of force myself to do it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like it's probably better now, but I, I don't know. I can't imagine it being like perfect. I feel like it's probably a really good excuse too, though. Like when like someone's being annoying, like oh, I have to go transcribe this interview. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, no, it's good. I, yeah, I use it a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, how do you uh, like everything you write for? You just uh, like if they came to you at this. Do they come to you at this point, or are you still out there hustling like you did in in oh five oh six? Yeah, not so much. I mean, yeah, I feel like people more that I write for like noisy a lot, like. Playboy, I do a music column every month for every issue for Inked. Um, I do reviews for Evolver. I do a bunch of stuff. Usually they come to me or sometimes, like, for reviews, they'll be like, these are the records we're reviewing, say which one you want to do. Or sometimes I'll have an idea for a story. Like, Noisy didn't come to me and, like, weren't like, we want you to write about One Life Crew. I was like, I want to write about this, and I, and they were like, sure. At this point, you have the pedigree where you can dictate that kind of stuff like you can be like no i know it sounds ridiculous but listen uh, it's going to be good trust me on this yeah especially with with those guys they're pretty open-minded to like some of like the more like more personal stuff or like kind of like weirder concept like i did something a couple months ago i watched this whole ken burns civil war nine-hour documentary in one sitting um and wrote about that which has nothing to really with music so they're they're pretty cool about it. But, yeah, for the most part. Um, hey, I wanted to say one thing, too. You know, I went to college with uh, one of your guys, Ron Richards. With who? Ron Richards. Oh, okay, cool. He's uh, he's an awesome guest. He's one of my uh, – he's done two already, actually. Yeah, he did my podcast once, too. But, yeah, he did – we both did zines at Ithaca College, like, in, like, the 90s. Yeah, he's um, he's from here. He's like a like a Long Island hardcore kid. Yeah, he looks exactly the same as he did in college. It's weird. He always looked like a dad. <laughs> yeah, just like a younger dad. Like at shows, like he would be our age, and he would still look kind of like, huh? That dad looks young and dresses like us. But now, now he, looks he looks young still. Yeah, now he looks like a young dad. He just looks like he just makes more sense now that he looks like a dad. But no, yeah, I right. get what you're saying. Uh, no, he's a he's a good dude, and I uh, yeah, I, his his podcasts get more traffic than anyone else. Really? Like, on of mine, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't have thought that going into it, but they do. Interesting. Well, once this one up, this will probably get the most traffic. Oh yeah, yeah. There's gonna, gonna put me on the map. It'll <laughs> put me on the podcast map. Um, oh, you know it, dude. I'm very excited. I know, but honestly, I, I like uh, I like having you involved in stuff. Like you know, when I was doing those like guerrilla comedy shows, I like felt like I kept badgering you to be a part of that. Like I, I don't know. Like there's something about your uh, your vibe that like I just I don't know. I want you in on stuff. 
No, I, that was cool. That was really cool doing that because I actually I had never done stand up before, and obviously my sister does stand up a lot, and uh, I, I was so nervous. Like I've played so many shows at Vitus, like sold out shows, and not been nervous, and like getting up there and like just telling jokes for five minutes. I was like, I almost just like left. I was like so freaked out. <laughs> and it's a different thing. And I did, it's so different. It's so much. You feel you feel so much more vulnerable. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the point of it. Yeah, I just didn't realize the... I went up there and it went well, but it was, like, definitely, like, you know, like, you were there, like, my sister, like, guys who worked there. Like, I feel like it was a very, like, easy audience for me. Um, And it went well, but I recently, like, just last month, did my second comedy appearance at the Knitting Factory because that band Beach Slang asked me to to roast them. Um, So I went up and told some of the same puns I told that night, and then I wrote a bunch of jokes basically making fun of them, and it went over super well. Good. Good for you. If you're, if you're going to keep doing it, let me know. We'll do some shows. I'll get you some spots somewhere. Yeah, it'd be fun. I mean, like, basically, like, um, you know, that web series I do with Vanessa kind of came out of that. Like, um, the old band used to tour a lot, and Vanessa was doing second city stuff in Chicago and uh we would play like the empty bottle or something and I would she was just starting out with comedy but I would have her open for us and no one knew who she was and she'd be like empty bottle more like empty club and like just sort of make all these kind of bad jokes <laughs> and uh <laughs> and she would always roast us and now when UN plays in New York if she can she's like roasted us like three times like last time we played at Webster our last show at Webster, she roasted us, and it's funny because like now if she roasts us, it ends up on like Pitchfork or something. But for so long, she roasts my bands, and like everyone's like, "Who the fuck is this person?" <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like I up until that show that that you did with us, uh, I had never met your sister, and uh, me and Kathleen are huge huge fans. You know, like we watch that live every week, and uh, she came in like I they had bought. Like your sister and her friends had bought tickets online for that, and uh, she came in and like the guy like gave the name for will call. And Kathleen was like, "Yeah, you guys could have come in for free. Like you're with Vanessa Bayer. Like, <laughs> like it was just really funny. Like, like how like uh, normal people and then like Kathleen doesn't get starstruck or anything, but it was just like here's like this celebrity kind of thing. Uh, right." Yeah, no, funny, I mean, it's funnier to me happy, than it is happy. saying how loud I guess. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she helped me a lot with that. Like she gave me some good tips and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I, I you've been doing comedy for a really long time now. It seems like. Well, uh, I mean, I started a while ago, but I stopped for a really long time. Uh, there's like a delicate balance. Like I don't want to tell people what year I started in, because then it's like. Oh, and you're just like, and this is all you are right now. That's terrible. That's pathetic. But then I don't want to. I also don't want to say, you know, I've only been doing it this short period of time because then no one takes you seriously. You know. Right. Right. I had so many. I had so many things I wanted to ask you about, and now uh, that was it. Now I'm done. Can't remember any of them. All right. Well, thank you for talking to me. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That's the problem with this. Is like I I can't like have notes in front of me because I. I am driving. <laughs> yeah, listen. Safety first. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm actually in a dead standstill right now. I guess as uh, I see some flashing lights ahead. 
this uh, someone got pulled over. Did you know? I I asked uh, Steve this. all oh, Steve. Yeah, he was there. No? Right. I asked Steve Padula this because he was in a band with Jeff. Did you know Martin? I did. I didn't really know him, but I met him a couple times. Did you have any idea? Uh, no. I mean, I, it was very, very brief. Like, I think our South by Southwest showcase and then a show... At a mute, maybe like a lot of dispute show or a piano show or something, but no, it just seemed like um, just like a normal guy. I mean, it was literally like, hey, this is Martin. It was just you know, he's just looks like a normal dude. So I didn't really have any idea, and I didn't really know a lot about him. So when all that stuff started, and I don't think Jeff really did either. So I think when all that stuff started happening, it was kind of a surprise for everyone. Yeah, I mean, clearly it was a huge shock for Jeff. I, I, I just, I, I like, I'm, I guess I'm, I just need to get Jeff on the show. Like, I'm dying to, like, because everybody has, uh, every, it's all perspective. So, like, if you know someone a certain way, then you're not, you, you're going to be surprised when something like that uh, comes out. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, and also... Uh, I mean, I, I don't really talk about a lot, but I do think, like, from one aspect, it's like, I'm not defending him, but it, he did really give a lot of money just to kind of support, like, artists and bands, like, regardless of, like, what you think of him or what he did, like, he was sort of, like, supporting in band, so it's like, I, I'm not saying you shouldn't be vilified, but I'm saying, like, his... I don't know, like, he could have done anything with that money. That's actually, like, kind of cool that that's what he wanted to do, even if it ended up kind of, you know, the way it did. Yeah, it's cool what he did with his money. Uh, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Uh, it's, like, a fine line, though. Like, it's really hard to be like, no, it's cool. Like, I, I'm i glad that he took money from Dying Ace patients to put out a nothing record. That's cool. Right. <laughs> like, like, uh, well, uh, uh, yeah, there's other stuff he could have done with that money, which would have made him way, way worse. But, like, I don't know, I'm sure, like, the people who he's, and again, it's all perspective, the people that were paying for those drugs are like, yeah, I don't give a shit about your shitty record label. Like, <laughs> your band right, fuck I guess, right off. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying, like, I, I might be wrong, but I was sort of under the impression that, like, I mean, Jeff, I think, you know, like, I'm not sure exactly. I don't know all the details, but I, I think, like, he has, like, kind of, like, supported the label before all that stuff happened. So it's, like, not to defend him, but I, I don't think that money came from that. I mean, I don't know where it could have come no, from. No, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, again, I'm just, uh, I'm, like, trying to, I'm hiding it in one direction, but, yeah, like, Look, like I said, like, I want to talk to Jeff because I'm sure he got along well with the guy, thought the guy was a nice guy. You know what I mean? Like, someone out there, someone out there thinks that, like, Charles Manson's a good dude and just misguided. You know what I mean? Like, 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 no matter how horrible the person is, there's someone who loves them, you know? 
And there's also like, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm not talking about this particular situation at all because I don't know that much about how it works, but, you know, just in general with like people, like there's different, like exactly what you're saying, like there's different sides of people. Like I act differently when I'm hanging out with one of my buddies than I do when I'm hanging out with my grandma than I do when I'm at a work thing. Like you sort of like, you can know someone in one context and they can be, you know, especially when it's like comes to like business and personal, like they can be like a totally different person depending on sort of when you sort of deal with them in the context. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Like if someone you know is involved in shady shit, but like they don't bring it to work, you know, and you meet them, you only know them in the work environment. You're not going to know what they're like around their like, you know, gambling buddies or at the, you know, or their drug friends or whatever. Totally. Yeah. Like yeah. I I feel like yeah. Something will happen where it's like, oh, this dude is cheating on his girlfriend. Like he's such a scumbag. I'm like, really? He always seemed like so nice to me, but it's like I didn't date him. With with like rock stars, with meeting like like celebrities or whatever. Like if you meet them as a peer, then it's different. If you meet them as a fan, you know what I mean? You know what you just made me think of? Look. <laughs> when we got totally snubbed by Richie Sambora together. Okay, perfect. That's a perfect example. Like, <laughs> that's a perfect example. Like, because Nick, Nick Wheeler is probably like, yo, Richie's the man. He was so cool. He brought us backstage. He gave us his booze. And then me and you were like, yo, fuck Richie Sambora. <laughs> yeah, so... For- for context, me and Neil were at Madison Square Garden. Uh, all Ameri- the All American Rejects were opening opening for Bon Jovi, and uh, we were like, you would think you if you played like Madison Square Garden, you'd have like a pretty nice green room. We were in like what looked like a bomb shelter or like a high school classroom or something. Like it was so small, like cinder block walls, and uh, we were in like a bare all production stuff- office, basically. Yeah, like and a, then we everyone, we were just, like, hanging out, and then they were, like, no, everyone has to get out of the hallway. Like, no one can be around when, like, Bon Jovi walks down the hall or whatever. And so they, like, all, like, drove in, and then they walked down the hall. Yeah, we were with, who were we, we were with, like, Nick and someone else? Uh, pro- I'm going to assume Mikey and Chris. So yeah, and so. I'm with them when I'm with them. And we were all hanging out, and Richie Sambora walked up to them and was like, what's up? And, like, shook all their hands and then just looked made eye contact with me, <laughs> made eye contact with you, and then went back to talking to them. <laughs> like, we were I've literally had, invisible. Yo, I've had that happen to me a few times where, like, I remember I was working, I was working for some, like, big band at the VMAs in, like, 2001 or 2002 or whatever. And, like, Axl Rose came to the table and, like, shook everyone's hand at the table and then got to me and, like, was just in mode, like, was just in handshaking mode. And, like, as soon as I took his hand, like, he made eye contact with me and you can see the regret in his eyes, like, oh, he's not in the band. Why am I touching this peasant? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude, I'm glad that that story came up. (laughs) <laughs> that is the worst. 
But yeah, that's a, like that's a perfect example. Like, you know, this guy, you know, you know him as like a good guy, and then someone else knows him and is like, no, fuck that guy. But I get it. Right. I, I mean, I get it. Because I'm actually, uh, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna have Anthony Ranieri on the podcast in a couple of weeks, and uh, okay. I can't wait to talk to him about like that topic that like this Richie Sambora thing because he's like a hundred percent. Like, I'm off the clock. Like, if my stage shoes aren't on, then I don't talk to you. And I think that's, like, a weird... I think that's weird. But, I mean, I guess you have to draw the line somewhere. You know, you can't shake everyone's hand. You're shaking hands all day. I mean, it was just two more people. But, <laughs> but you know, I guess you had a show to play. Yeah, that's true. But he just then he just hung out for a while. Yeah, that yeah that was especially snuffy because uh, I, I want to say that like they went into the dressing room that we were in. Maybe. How long did you write for AP? Um, I started writing. I interned for them when I was in college, probably like in the late nineties, and then. I graduated college in '02, and they hired me to work on the Warp Tour for them. So I did the whole summer, and then when I got back from Warp Tour, I was like 22. Uh, their music editor left after like nine years, and I got that job. And I was there from '02 to '05. Then I left to do this like five-week European tour with my band, and then about like the band broke up. And then I moved to New York, I guess, in, like, 2007 or something. And, yeah, and pretty much I've just been freelancing the whole time. I wrote Stephen's Untitled Rock Show for maybe, like, two years in there, and it was, like, the closest I really had to, like, an office kind of job. But it was usually, like, a couple days a week or something. You guys are pretty tight now, right? Like, you do the show, you do the podcast with him? Yeah, so we basically what happened was uh, – Steven's show got canceled, and it kind of got canceled, and, like, it kind of sucked. It was, like, you know, I, I had never really, like, been in that – where, like, they call you in their office, and they were, like, yeah, we're just not going to do it. It was, you know, it was, like, sort of, like, as, like, music videos were becoming sort of not something you would show on TV anymore. Um, so the show got canceled, and it was kind of a bummer. It was the longest-running show in Fuse, and we didn't really get to do it, like – we were like, can we do a final episode? Can we say goodbye? And they were like, no, it's it's, it's done. So Jesus. then about a year or two later, Stephen's friend Brad um, is a guy that was in charge of kind of building and running the studio rubber tracks that's owned by Converse that records Unsigned Bands for free. And he was like, you should do a podcast. And so, you know, and this is pretty, we've been doing it maybe like four or five years. So it was like kind of early on. So St- Stephen was like, you should do it with Brad and we got this guy Mike Canjemi who was a producer on the show. And yeah, so it used to just be me and Steven. Lately it's usually just me because Steven has like twins that he usually has to stay home with. So sometimes he can Skype in. But I also have like a lot of guest hosts, like Benny from Gaslight Anthem guest hosts a lot. Um like Jeff Rosenstock, Steak Mountain uh, so yeah, we'll get guest hosts, or it'll be just me. Kind of, kind of mix it up. But yeah, whenever we can get Stephen on, we do because obviously he's so great at interviewing and such an awesome dude. You write articles for Playboy. Let's uh, 
Because like I figured once they stopped with the pictorials, that was it. It was a wrap for the magazine. But no, not like, at all. Yeah. Is it just like GQ now? I don't know. You know, I haven't really, I haven't seen like the post, I guess like nudie Playboy, but I mean, I, I didn't really read it until I started, I mean, I had read it, but I didn't really check it out until I started writing for it. It's funny because I actually interviewed guests on Anthem like four or five years ago for Penthouse. Um, and I told my mom about it. My mom like likes to collect everything I write. So my mom bought it, and Penthouse is like super hardcore, like girl on girl, like um, very tasteful. But they, yeah, they have like a fiction editor. Like the writing is actually really good. Um, so my, this, I just know this guy Jason who used to work at Victory actually, and then was my editor at Ink, and now he's an editor at Playboy. So he hit me up, and uh, yeah, I did. Okay. I interviewed Ice Cube's son, who was really cool, who plays him in Straight Outta Compton. I did, uh, um, who else? I think I've an uh, interview with that band Savages this month. I've done like four or five pieces for them. But, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's fun, usually. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, just it's not like you have to talk about, like, boobs or anything. No, yeah, I <laughs> That would be horrible. <laughs> only, only sexualize yeah, the conversation. Yeah, I feel like that would be super awkward. Um, and noisy is cool. Like noisy got cool. Like I feel like there was a point early on where like every noisy article was written from the point of view of a person who had never heard music before. <laughs> and like I tweeted that out once and like the dude got real tight about it and like trolled me for a minute and I was like alright this is you need to get over yourselves but then like it actually like they got I'd like to think that I, I I'm going to take credit for it after I criticized them that they went out and got better writers and more uh, more points of view but now it's like yeah now a couple people a couple of people at work there have told me that. They're like, we really had to step things up when Neil started complaining on Twitter. No, I believe that that's how it went down. Because it was like, like, it was pretty soon after, it was pretty soon after I made fun of them. They got tight, yo, they got tight right away. Like, they, like three of them all replied to me at once. Like, well, I mean, you're in, you're in some, you're in some classic bands. Uh, I don't think they, I don't think they had heard of them. <laughs> like, they, like, they were like, well, who do you write for? 18 followers or, like, whatever trolly nonsense. But no, but now it's like, now it's like good. Now they have, like, good content and it's, uh, I'll take credit. I'm going to take all the credit for it. Yeah, no, you should. Um, yeah, they're cool. You know, uh, I really started writing for them a lot from Dan Ozzie went over there, who's another awesome writer and, uh, they're pretty cool. Like I said, they kind of let me do my thing. Um, they let me write a lot of personal stuff. They still haven't let me write about Silkworm. I'm working on that because no one seems to care about them except me and you. But uh, uh, And, and uh, yeah. Dan Jernov. I just want to make sure that everyone knows that Dan Jernov cares more about Silkworm than anyone. So, in case he's listening, I don't want him to get mad that I left him out. He definitely... He sounds like... Sounds like a cool guy to me. 
No, he's good. He got me into a lot of good stuff. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think he actually got, him or Matt Cutler got me into Silkworm. I can't recall. Have, have you seen the documentary? Uh, yeah, you you told me about it. No? Probably. <laughs> I feel like we had, like, four years ago, you were like, oh, you have to watch this. And maybe you sent me the link. Yeah. And I watched it. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, they were, like, one of my favorite bands. They're so great. And, uh, and then they did Bottomless Pit, The Surviving Members, which is great. And then Tim just did this record with this band, Mint Mile, which is uh, also really good. So check it out. Did you did you have a preference of them as with Joel in the band or without Joel? I have to be honest. It's like kind of hard for me to tell the difference. Uh, did you like any of Joel's uh, solo stuff? Not like I got his last record. I'm not as I'm not as into just the Joel Phelps stuff. Like, I think the stuff he did with Silkworm is cool, but yeah, I'm not as into it, I guess. I, I like that first record, and then I kind of lost track of him. Uh, but yeah, I really, I love the uh, the Marco Collins sessions. That's like the best. Oh yeah, that's got the acoustic. Couldn't you wait and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, to me, that's like that's a really great. Like, if you want to get someone into them, that's the record. Like, that's the EP to play them. Yeah, when they reissued Libertine, that it has the Marco Collins sessions on vinyl. It's pretty cool. Oh yeah, that's good. I believe so. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, and kind of in the same vein, I got in really into when Bamos played. I paid the New Year open, and so then I kind of got into New Year and uh, Bedhead, and those guys kind of play, played in Silkworm too. One of the guys played keyboards, and then they were in a couple overseas. So, as most of like, it's mostly just dudes. <laughs> a lot of guys, much like a yeah. show. What? Yeah, but that's because it's different kinds of guys, but just a lot of guys and like girls who have clearly been dragged there and hate it. I feel like totally, um, but but for the most part, I feel like from my experiences. (laughs) Uh, There's not enough of a representation of uh, ladies in uh, rock to begin with. I don't know. Yeah, but I Sorry. feel like there is I feel like there is more now than ever, which is cool. Uh, yeah. Uh maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe yeah, just in I the, know the sheer sheer volume wise, you know, but probably the same percentage. Yeah, that's true. I guess there's just so many bands now in general. Uh, that's a, I don't like having that conversation with other dudes in public because I feel like uh, I'm not I'm not the authority on it because I'm a white guy. Right. That, yeah. You know what I mean? That's like a, totally. 
I, I don't know. Because I have my opinions I mean, got, on it, but I don't know if I'm being... I don't know if I'm right. I don't know if I'm being accurate or portraying the the, the issue. You know, you know what I mean? Like, because to me, I'm like, oh, well, I, I just don't, I don't, there's not enough women. Like, how do we get more women involved? But but because I'm not a woman, like, maybe, like, women don't want, maybe women are like, ugh, we don't even want to be over there. And then I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to force you to be here. It's like weird, too. I don't know. I had this weird thing. I haven't thought about this in probably over 20 years. When I was in, like, sixth grade, I had this teacher who was American, and I remember him being like, why do you guys think there haven't been any African-American presidents? And I remember just being like, oh, because, like, none of them have tried to be president. <laughs> and him being... Because I literally thought that. Like, I didn't know. I was, like, literally, like, 11. I was like, well, I've never seen, like... All I've seen is, like, Michael Dukakis and George Bush. And... uh he got super pissed at me and was like, he's like, lots of African-Americans that have tried to be president, like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dude, all right. Like, how am I? I'm just like a little kid. Chill out. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Uh, but, hey. He's like, because she heard, she heard you say because they're lazy. Like, that's what he heard you say. Oh, totally. And he was right. like, no, okay, no, no. Meet- Right, I'm sure that's what he heard. Which, like, I was just totally naive at that point, so I yeah. didn't know. But, but uh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that in so long. I was like, "Why well, just got so mad? What, like, what are you talking about?" Like, I, I enjoy that conversation with like, you know, black people that I'm friends with, because then I, but I like as a, like as a listener, like I want like. So I have a friend, uh, Chris, goes by Smooth City. He did an episode of this where he was talking about, like, why he votes. And it's like a view that I never, I never, I never, I never would have guessed. You know, like, he votes because they never used to have the vote. So, like, people fought and died for him to be able to vote. He's going to vote. Right. Yeah. And, like, for me, totally. I was like, oh, I don't vote. And I was like, you shouldn't vote either. And he's like, no, no, no I'm going to vote. <laughs> he's like, I don't care if it doesn't mean anything. I have, to, I'm gonna, I have to vote. I have to go. I have to vote. And it's just like, oh, I would never thought that. You know what I mean? Because I'm just, I live in my bubble. Like, I live in my, like, little echo chamber. I don't know. I don't know. But I want to know. I'm open, you know, I'm open to hear about it. You know, like, if, if. If women want to open the dialogue of, like, why there aren't enough or more women in rock music, like, I want to hear that. I want to hear about it. I don't want them to be pandering and shitty about it. Like, oh, well, what are you going to do? Like, reach out your male hand and help us? Fuck you. Like, all right, okay, asshole. Like, that's what I'm saying, but... I don't know. I don't know what that's what they sound like. It's gotten... It's gotten very complicated. Like, I remember I talked about this, I think, with Trevor from Pelican. We did a podcast with him, and also maybe with Jessica Hopper. But yeah, we played a show. We went on tour in June with Coliseum, and I remember we played a show uh, at Subterranean in Chicago, and uh, you had to load up all these stairs. And one of the opening band was like, there was a girl in the band, and 
I think some dudes too, but she had shown up with like all the gear and she was by herself and she was like carrying all this equipment up these stairs. And I was like, I want to help, but like, I don't want to like offend her because things have gotten so <laughs> yeah. crazy. I didn't want her to be like, Oh, you think I can't do this on my own? Cause I'm a girl. It's like, no. So, uh, I just sat there and didn't help her because I was like, I'm worried she's going to be bad. And then our drummer was just like, do you need help? And she was like, yes, thank you so much. And uh, <laughs> then he helped her. And then I felt like a dick. But so I would have offered that for everyone, but I didn't want to, like, make feel weird. You know what I mean? Like, it's so hard to know, like, you know, what your intention is, I guess, or, like, what yeah. people... I, like, I always reach out. Like, I always reach out. And then, like... I'll take lumps occasionally. Like, I, like I reach out to pe- to everybody, to people I don't know to do this podcast, and sometimes I get good responses. And almost, almost to a person, women do not respond at all. They don't reply. I don't know if it, they think I'm like it's a weird come on or something. Like, I've never had a woman I don't know reply to a query about being on this podcast. Whereas I've had men that I don't know, you know, say, you know, whatever. No, I'm not doing it. Whatever. Really? Uh, That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder why that is. One, one, actually, I'm sorry. One woman said, reach out to my PR person. Like, uh, all right, fine. And then I reached out and then that woman didn't reply. But, and then I've also had where, like, I, me and Dubin's label, like, I reached out to this this woman who does, like, uh, events of the city and stuff, and I was like, hey, you know, if you want to do a benefit for, like, Women in Rock, you know, I have a record label we could put together a comp, and I have a venue out on Long Island we could do, you know, 1,300 people, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll wave the room rental and stuff, like, I'll keep the bar, you keep the door, and we can donate it to whatever women in rock thing. And, like, she straight up was like, you think I need a man's help? And I was like, oh, they, all right, sorry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard. <laughs> I feel like people even listening to this try like... Who the fuck cares what these two guys think about this? <laughs> but that's exactly but, that's exactly it. It's like ah, I don't even want to have this conversation. Like, because like, like, like I don't fucking... want to have this. Con- I, <laughs> I don't want to have this conversation. And then we have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we're gonna continue it. But yeah, it's like <laughs> we're like two super privileged white guys who like do basically whatever it is we want for a living. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like, I'm talking about black people voting and women in rock. What assholes? Yeah, you're uh, right. We're, 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 we are really bad people. We are. We're, we're the worst. And God forbid we try to have an open mind. Please, seriously, if someone listening would please just tell me what I can do to be a better human being, aside from cutting off my dick. Which isn't out of the question. I would love to be a better person. I really, I really yeah. would. It's just, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. There's a lot. Everything's just kind of like loaded now and sort of complicated. And, you know, you don't want to offend anyone, but you also like want to sort of stick up for yourself. And yeah, it's it's a really, I think it's sort of like a, 
kind of like a transition point. Like I think like an older generation that was like anti-weed, anti-gay marriage, all that stuff. Like those people are for sure are dying out and no one is going to, you know, no one growing up now, like millennials or even like people our age, like for the most part, aren't going to support that. So I think it's sort of going through that transition where all those older kind of values are sort of dying out. And once that happens, I think things are really going to shift. And I think we're sort of in the middle of that. And all, that's why all this stuff is colliding. And I think this election is like a perfect example. Like I feel like if it's Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump, I mean, I feel like that kind of exemplifies that more than anything. <laughs> yeah. Two extremely white guys. <laughs> right, right. Well, two extremely white guys, but I mean, yeah. At the same time, like, I mean, I feel like... No, they're the two extremes of white people. They are. Right. Yes. Yes. I don't know. I think... I think it's the same shit as it is with, like, cell phones and stuff. It's like some dude will stand in front of you and, like, tape a show for ten minutes, and you're so mad, and they're totally unaware because, like, we haven't figured out the etiquette for it yet, sort of. Yeah. I don't know. I just think it's, like... It's just a lot of stuff is happening that, like, and we have, like, these hunter-gatherer, like, the same brains that, like, people had 3,000 years ago. So it's, like, I think everyone's just trying to sort of process all this stuff, and there's so many people and so much in that I think, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just, it's a cool time to be alive, but it's also, you know, very kind of disorienting sometimes. For me, at least. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I agree 100. percent Like, I wanna, I wanna progress. I wanna move forward, and I find a lot of times I'm accidentally doing the wrong thing. Like, I, I, I right. wanted, and I, th- I wanted to do the right thing, but uh, I, I, I mean, and I think, you know, that's like it's such a huge issue in comedy right now, you know, it's like, whether it's like stealing stuff and parallel thinking or like rape jokes, what's okay, what isn't, like what's off limit. Like it's, it's like, I think so much of that is like intent. If you're saying something like hatefully and like you want to hurt someone, like that's one thing, but if you're telling a joke and it's clearly, you're just like making a statement about like a social issue or something and it's, not coming from a negative place, you know, like that's totally different. And that like doesn't just translate into like when you transcribe it or something, you can sort of tell what someone's intent is. And I think that's really the the main thing. I I think, oh, I think with comedy though, the bottom line is, is it funny enough? Right. Like, even if you're coming from, like, a nice place and you don't mean to be offensive, but the joke is an offensive topic, like, if it's a bad joke, it's a bad joke, and you're going to get the groans and people are going to get standoffish about it. If it's an undeniably funny joke, it can hurt feelings, and you're still like, you know, it's good, guys, I get it, it's funny. I think. I don't know. I guess it's also subjective, quite subjective. Right. Yeah, I just, you know, like, there's some, some comedian in Canada is getting, like, sued for making fun of these women at a show. Like, 
It's oh, just geez. all this, all this. There's a couple of cases of that, and it's just like, it's crazy. Because to me, it's like, I love comedy, um, and I love a lot of like dark comedians, like Doug Stanhope and stuff. But to me, it's like, you can't really. Yeah, it comes down to if it's a good joke or not. Like, I feel like you can't really put subjects as taboo because, you know, every subject personally has affected someone, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Is, is, it, is it funny or is it? And and some and with those, like, controversial topics, it's really hard to make them funny. So you have to be really good. And I feel like if you're just starting out and you're going to try to do that, like, yeah, it's probably not going to work. Yeah, and then – but you have to – you have to alter your approach to it. Like, so if you're new, try, you know, there's other topics. You don't have to talk about, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't want to use uh, rape or race. You don't have to talk about black people. You don't have to do it. There's a million other premises out there. Like if you're testing waters, like test it with something else. Like you, uh, I'm sure you can come up with yeah. another premise. I mean, I most of my premises are either a pun, or, or b just self-deprecating stuff about me, which there's tons of, and isn't going to offend anyone. Except the, the person in the audience is like, "Well, I'm uh, whatever you picked." Also, and that hurt my feel. I don't know. I don't know. Like I had, I had this joke that was like, how like I felt like totally emasculated because. I'm 36 years old, and I had to ask the guy working at the bodega to help me uh, get the flavor of fruit snacks that I wanted down because I couldn't reach them, (laughs) (laughs) which actually happened. Like, I was like, how bad? I was like, I can reach tropical fruit, but I want strawberry. How bad do I want it? Do I want to talk to this guy? And I was like, excuse me. Like, I can't. He was like, dude, seriously? And I had to, like, walk around and get this, like, stick thing and get and it's like that is funny and that's not that's not gonna bum anyone out and you know what i mean so it's like i just try to do that kind of just personal anecdotes because i feel like i do embarrassing stuff unintentionally every single day yeah <laughs> but there's somebody that has offended because like uh well that why is masculinity like why is that what you're basing your all right fuck you <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm a little... think about that. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely offending someone. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> want to. If you want to look that hard, you can probably offend by anything. Um, I don't know. I mean, in the end, I feel like. Oh, go ahead. No, I I heard the other day or today or whatever someone saying PGP, uh, preferred gender pronoun. Like, instead of he or she, like, like, you know, he, she, like, or whatever, you would say, like, oh, PGP. And I back that because I'm pro-transgender and I am behind you if you want to identify as something else. Like, I don't, uh, I'm pro that. But, like, that's, come on, man. Like, now we got to say PGP? No. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, my stance on that stuff is like, have sex with what whoever you want. Like, you can be called whatever you want, but it's like, it's gonna take people time to catch up. It's like you know, I have transgender friends, and I like 
will accidentally say dude to them because I say dude to everyone, including girls. I have my sister dude all the time, but then I'll be like, oh, then I'll like feel terrible. You know, it's like, yeah, I, you, you want to do the right thing, but some like, you know, you just don't want them to be bummed out. So it's like everyone just, you know, I support anyone's decisions, but it's like you have to give it time for people to catch up because it's like this stuff is so. But why, so but why can't I? Why can't I just say she? Like she prefers to be called a woman, so can I just say she? I think I it's say like PGP. What? Well, like there's why? a bunch of other. There's a lot of other ones. There's like X something. There's yeah. There's V like and V and well, cis is like normal. Like uh, like if you're cisgender, like you are a guy who adheres to guy stuff. But, like, there's, like, there's like all these, like, you know, like, whatever, like, V is, like, fluid. And, like, but it's all, like, it's all to me. And I'm pro it. But, like, there's, there's a line somewhere where it's, like, all right, no, like, don't make it, don't make it too hard for it to catch on. You know what I mean? Right, well, I think that stuff all came out of, um, I can't remember what college it was. Like a pretty, pretty, like an Ivy League school, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I honestly, like not to sound dismissive, like I think most of those kind of adjectives are mostly used like at liberal arts colleges. I think once, once you're kind of out in society, like I think the stuff we're talking about, like 95% of people don't even know what it is. You know what I mean? Good. Is that shitty of me? <laughs> no, no. I, mean, I don't think it's just, it, I mean, I I don't need to look. It's like, I, it's, it's hard for me because I never, I mean, like, maybe because I never really dealt with that because I, like, wasn't a minority. I didn't have all this stuff. Yeah. So it's hard for me to relate, but at, so maybe my, but at the same time, like, I never cared about any of that stuff. Like, I don't care if you make fun of me. I don't care what you call me. Like, I don't really get offended. Like, I just don't really care that but much about anything. But that's that again sort of stuff. That's because it never mattered. Because it never, like, it doesn't matter because it never mattered for people who it always mattered to. It matters. Right. Totally. Does that make yeah, sense? Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Like, it's hard for me to put myself in those shoes because it's such a radically different experience than I have. But to me, it's like, if you want me to say something different and it makes you feel included instead of feeling like bad about yourself, I don't care. Um, I'll do my best. But, you know, like I, I also, I also, you know, I don't know. But But to me, it makes you, like, you're singling yourself out more. You know what I mean? Like, you want to just be a part of the society. Like, oh, why can't people just accept me for who I am? Like, all right, I'm accepting you for who you are. Be something recognizable. Now, and I don't mean transgender. Like, what I, I mean, pick, you know, like, you could be a woman with a cock. Just let me call you she. That's fine. Like, you're a woman. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. it sounds. I'm, I sound terrible right now. Uh, 
I'm very pro it. Uh, <laughs> I just, I don't like that pro, I just don't like the pronoun PGP. I just don't like that. <laughs> I'm just against that. <laughs> I mean, it's so, I mean, just people are so outraged about so many things. And it's like the thing that like, it is so true. It's like, you know, like there was this whole thing recently about like Amy Schumer stealing jokes. And it's like, uh, you see this stuff. It's yeah. like, I don't, I, I mean, like, I, I, I really like Amy. Really like, I went to Europe with her. Like I'm friends with her and Vanessa, but I, I don't think she stole jokes. I think that uh, those jokes were old. Like I think I, I don't know. That's a whole other story. But it's like they're just t- they're tired premises. Like they're not they're not the most original right. jokes. Like her right. original and stuff is clearly not stolen. It's very in her voice. And then she tells a joke that's like a bar joke or a street joke, and it's like yeah, eighty people have that joke. Exactly. Like the person that but you're guess, saying yeah. she stole it from, I could show you something older than that. Right. Exactly. And I think there's, there is this thing, and she kind of touched on this on when she was on Jim Norton's show talking about this, like, last week, where it's like, I feel like as a society, like, we really like, and Joe Rogan has talked about this, too, like, you sort of like to, like, build these people up and like, tear them down and sort of get self-righteous, like, you know, like, with Steve Wren is easy when he lied about that 9-11. It's like, uh, people love to just, like, vilify these people kind of out of nowhere and it's like because there's sort of like no no risk for them like you're not risking anything and it's like it makes yeah. you feel like you're superior and like that kind of shit just drives me nuts and this guy john ronson wrote this really cool book about it called you've been publicly shamed which uh is really worth it. but yeah, i just i don't like this whole thing of like just sort of mad about everything, trying to just like ruin people's lives and their careers over, you know, like a mistake or, you know, cause like no one's perfect. Yeah. No one. <laughs> Except that these times EP. Except what? Oh, that is certainly not, that is 100% not perfect. <laughs> I made me want to stab myself in the mouth repeatedly every time I open my mouth on that record. <laughs> um, yo, I'm home. I'm going to go. Great, that was really fun. Yeah, no, thank you, Jonah. Thank you for doing this, and uh, I hope we uh, do it again. Yes, yes. All right, I'll talk to you soon, Neil. All right, man, peace. All right, later. exists on purpose. Nobody belongs anywhere. Everybody's gonna die. Come watch TV.